Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us, and how you're listening to us. Maybe making the sports and the world podcast a part of your day. I'm Ladaria. And I'm Chris. Hope all of you are well and safe. And how are you, my man? I'm great. I'm happy. I'm ecstatic. I am just smiling from ear to ear, man. I'm a little cold. I'm up here in New York City this week, but uh, I am I'm happy. You know... I think what's going to happen, and I don't know what's colder—the weather in New York or Chris's, Chris's little heart after what we saw in Michigan, Ohio State. It's running neck and neck. I, I don't know the temperature of his heart, but I can I can Google, I can Google the the temperature in New York City, but not his heart. It's cold. It, fluctu- it, it fluctuates. I, I feel a little, I feel a little of the the coldness coming my way, but I'll just assume that's just nature. So, all that being said. I'm going to dedicate this time. So if you don't, for, so for the listeners, if you don't hear me talk, it's not because I, I'm not existing and I jumped into the black hole or disappeared. I went into like, you know, I, I went into the wormhole. No, it's just, I, I'm just yielding whatever time Chris has. And I, I, I can't tell you the length. I can't tell you any of that. But what I will tell you is I, 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 I picture it. And you know what? Chris, just give us your thoughts. I don't have to tell you what's it about. You just do you, my guy, and just give us your thoughts on the week that was college football. Yeah, man. So it was it was rivalry weekend, and we saw some upsets. We saw some great games, and we saw what truly was expected. And we're going to start with some of the upsets. And then we'll work our way around. So the upset that I think kind of shocked everybody, well, two of them, actually. The first one being the LSU and Texas A&M game. Um, I think everyone expected LSU to go in there just because of how well they've been playing. They're riding high off that went off of Alabama. And this is why the SEC is so great and so much better than any other conference. And there's, and there's no, you cannot argue that statement on a factual basis. You can argue it on an emotional basis, which is illogical and useless because, well, just because you feel a certain way doesn't make it true. But when you look at facts and statistics, this is why the SEC is so great is that you can have a team riding high on like LSU and then uh, a team that's not having as good of a season, like a Texas A&M, to be able to come out and and do the business. Um, just because the level of competition in the SEC is just 100 years ahead of any other division. Uh, the, the ACC, the Big Ten, uh, the uh, the Big 12, the Pac-12, all that. You, just, you, you look at the numbers, and there's a reason why the SEC is the only power conference in college football to have a winning record against every other conference. Facts and stats matter, kids. So on this game, LSU and Texas A&M, um, A&M came out, and they came out hard in the second half, specifically in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, hats off to them. I mean, you know, LSU played a good time, uh, and they played a good ball. You know, Jaden Daniels came out. You know, he threw for 189 yards. Uh, he ran for 80. 
excuse me, 84 yards. He didn't see the end zone. Uh, John Emery Jr. got their three touchdowns, uh, you know, through on, on the ground with, with 55 uh, carries, or excuse, excuse me, nine carries at 55 yards and three touchdowns on that. Um, but AM came out. Uh, AM came out and, and they played. Uh, you know, Connor Wigman, you know, 12 for 18, 155 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, most importantly is Devon Akane. I'll, I'll let you, Ladarius, if, if I'm pronouncing that name wrong, I'll go ahead and let you come out and, uh, and fix it for me. Um, dude came out, 38 carries, 215 yards, two touchdowns. He put the business on the ground. Uh, uh, Moosin Muhammad, five receptions for 94 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and then Donovan Green for uh, two receptions, 13 yards and a touchdown. Uh, they came out, they played a hard, hard defense on uh, on the second half, and they really locked LSU up. So LSU is finishing the regular season at nine and three. Uh, A&M is going to head out at five and seven. Unfortunately, they're not bowl eligible. Better luck next year. LSU will still go play in the uh, SEC title game uh, against the University of Georgia. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, another big upset, which I think nobody legitimately predicted, was the Oregon-Oregon State game. Uh, this is another team. Oregon is, they're not as obnoxious as Ohio State, but they're there. They're, they're definitely on the same pathway. Uh, you know, and, and I'll give it to Oregon. They've got these cool uniforms and the shiny helmets. And their their emblem is how many national titles they've won. It's a giant zero, a giant O, a giant goose egg. Uh, if you're going to be an elite program, you can't lose to a, a team mascot that is a beaver. Um, unlike Northwestern, I actually know Oregon State's uh, mascot because they're you know a little bit relevant and you know actually win some games from time to time. Uh, both teams are going to finish out the season nine and three. Uh, Oregon State again is a lot of second half play. Oregon came out in the third quarter, uh, hit it hard, but the the Oregon State Beavers came out in the fourth quarter and definitely uh, did the job. And even with as terrible as a quarterback as they have thrown for only sixty yards and two interceptions, I mean that that is that is Zach Wilson uh, numbers right there. So I'm sure the Jets will probably pick him up next season if he's trying to get in the NFL. We'll pick on him later too. Uh, Oregon State did the job on the ground. They got all five of their touchdowns on the ground. Uh, a lot of guys touched the ball. A lot of guys punching their way into the end zone. Um, I I got to catch the glimpses. I did not get to watch that game front to back, but I did get to catch the last few minutes of it, and it was definitely not disappointing to say the least. So hats off to the Beavers for getting. That's a big win against a big program. Um, and it was it was an exciting one to see. Uh, another one that actually drove a little bit of uh, intrigueness, I guess, if that's even a word to me, uh, is the the Notre Dame USC game. Just because USC has been been kind of hot under the collar and really pressing their ways, and Notre Dame every time Notre Dame loses, it's a good day. And this college football Saturday was a great day because there was a lot of obnoxious teams and fan bases that took an L and I'm happy that it happened. Uh, Notre Dame and USC was another one. And I think by that menacing defeat on against Notre Dame, I think that's, and of course other teams losing that we'll slowly get to here. Um, I think that, you know, definitely pushed USC into uh, the playoff contention 
And it's going to be very curious to see coming into uh, the Pac-12 game, which is their title game is going to be Utah and USC. I'm very, very excited to see how that is going to work itself out. Um, you know, Utah, you look at their schedule, they're nine and three. Uh, the USC Trojans are 11 and one. You know, Utah did start off the season with a loss from, uh, you know, from Florida playing in the swamp. That was just a tough game for them. Great game. Very tough game for them. Um, but I think this is going to be a very – I'm actually excited to watch a Pac-12 game, and I don't think I've ever said that on this show. So I'm very intrigued to see how that's going to work itself out. Um, you know, moving along, of course, uh, TCU put a beat down on Iowa State. Col- uh, Utah beat Colorado. Uh, Georgia slapped around Georgia Tech for a little bit. Another high-profile victory uh, is the, the South Carolina-Clemson game. And I think that game, that's another one that falls under that, like, Oregon, Oregon State, uh, where you look at the line card and you say, okay, South Carolina and Clemson, oh, God, Clemson is going to massacre them. And instead, you know, as and, and I've been very critical of uh, South Carolina's quarterback, Spencer Rattler. I was critical of him when he was at uh, Oklahoma. And coming to the SEC, I was like, I don't know how well he's going to do, especially going to like a mid-tier SEC program. He's not going to go play at Vandy. You know, he's going to be he's going to be in a decent program. And you know, Spencer Rattler came out through for 360 yards, two touchdowns. He did throw two picks, but overall, the Gamecocks prevailed. Um, you know, they they definitely kept a more air raid offense. Uh, and Wayne Wells Jr. Nine receptions, 130 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he definitely held it down. You know, the the, the leading rusher, uh, Jaheim Bell, you know, nine carries for 29 yards of a touchdown. Carolina definitely uh, brought brought their A game. Uh, it, you, you look at the score breakdown, the second half, South Carolina, you know, put up 17 points in the second half. Uh, they, they came out strong in the second quarter, went to halftime and continued that propulsion. Uh, I think Clemson let their foot off the gas. If, if you look at the game again, you pull some of the highlights, you're going to see that that just it, it every it was going South Carolina's way. So hats off to them because that's a huge rivalry, and I definitely think that does put a little bit of a black eye on uh, on Clemson, and then also kind of definitely reassuring that they're not going to be seeing the playoffs uh, this year. Uh, another one, of course, we're going to talk about is the Florida Florida State game. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, that was a good game. I know there's all this controversy and people that don't understand how football works or how pass interference calls work, but I'm going to educate you guys real quick. If you are a defender and the offensive player, the receiver in this case, has a step or two on you, you cannot hook his arm and try to pull him backwards. That is at least holding, if not pass interference. So for all of you folks that are, oh, that was a bogus PI call and blah, blah, blah. Number one, you know, I, and you can call it excuses. You can call it whatever you want. Across the board on Florida and Florida State side, this is one of the worst officiated games I think I've ever seen in my life. Um, on both sides, there, there were some calls that, yeah, we did kind of walk with, and there were a lot of calls that Florida State walked with. There were a lot of offensive holding that Florida State committed that they did not get called on. There were pass interference calls that Florida State did they did not get called on. There was a targeting call, 
in the beginning of the game, they did not get called on. And then that final face mask at the end of the game, they did not get called on. So if you guys want to him and ha and see the, the, the thing is, and the, and the irony it is, it's all of these little schools like the UCFs and the Miamis and all these other irrelevant Florida schools that feel the need to buck up and say something when mom and dad go out and have a fight in the middle of the uh, 50 yard line. Um, it's pass interference at the end of the day. There's no way to argue. I literally have a freeze frame screenshot of the, the Florida state defender grabbing the receiver's elbow and you could see like he is locked in that is pass interference at the end of the day you cannot dispute that there is no way possible to dispute that you could try to and you can say oh this that and yeah or again with a face masking call or again like i said with a target call the, the guy straight up led with this helmet it was just a poorly officiated game now it did not help on that other hand that uh anthony richardson had so many issues. I mean, he did not complete a lot of passes uh, at the second half. Granted, he threw for 198 yards. Uh, he did throw three touchdowns with one interception. Um, it, but the ground is where it was at. Trevor Ntn led the charge again, 129 yards and a touchdown. Montrell Johnson, 85 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and I think most importantly is that the transfer, Ricky Parcell from Arizona State, five receptions, 148 yards, two touchdowns. Those are NFL quality numbers. That is a Justin Jefferson day. That is a Stephon Diggs day. That is a Randy Moss day. Um, so hats off to Purcell. I definitely uh, hope that he stays in the program. So he has one more year of eligibility. I definitely hope he hangs out for a little bit. Um, and I, I hope that we get to see more of him next year. Uh, on the other side of the ball, you know, Jordan Travis, credit is given where credit is due. Uh, the kid threw for 270 yards and a touchdown, rushed for another 83 yards and two touchdowns. He is an elusive little dude. Um, I'm definitely – the one thing I'm excited about is we actually have two good teams. I mean, granted, if you look at the, the Florida State finishing the regular season at 9-3 and three, and then UF, you know, scaling out at 6-6, six and six, it's not the season that we hope for. But being a 500 team – on a regime change and getting rid of players because of attitude and discipline issues and all of the issues that the, the university has encountered this year, I, I think we did okay at the end of the day. Um, but the thing that I'm most excited of is I think we have this renewed rivalry. So when you had uh, Bobby Bowden and Steve Spurrier, this was an electric rivalry. This was an ESPN rated rivalry. They compared this to uh, the the Celtics and the Lakers, the Yankees and the Red Sox type, you know, type rivalry. I think it kind of tapered off and then it got renewed in like the Jimbo Fisher time, Urban and Meyer time frame. And then Florida State kind of had the carousel of coaches. Florida didn't really have much of a better record with Muschamp and McElwain and then Dan Mullen. I think when you have a young Norvell and a young Billy Napier and two young teams, I think we're going to be in store for some damn good football in the upcoming couple of years between these programs. Um, I, I definitely, I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, of course, bowl game predictions are already out and about, but what, we're not going to talk about that until we get definitive bowl games because we don't want to just sit here and play the hearsay game, but I'm definitely excited um, hopefully the next matchup, we're going to have a better officiating crew because I think Helen Keller and Ray Charles were were tasked with managing that crew. Um, or the lady from, uh, what was that, uh, Ladarius, uh, uh, Bird Box. The, is that, was that the Netflix movie that everyone was referencing? 
Oh yeah, the Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That. That. So I mean, definitely. Hopefully next year we're going to get a better situation than that. Um, but who knows? Time will only tell on that. But most importantly, I want to talk about the best game of Saturday. And you know what game that was, Ladarius? Just, just, just do it already. <laughs> it, is, it is the Michigan-Ohio State game. I'm not going to say I told you so, but see, that's bullshit. Because I'm going to go ahead and say I told you so. Because I said it from the beginning, and I will say it every single time over and over again. Ohio State is an overrated, overhyped program that gets the blessing and the nepotism and the favoritism of this stupid playoff committee that just keeps forcing them into a a, a position of power. And it proved once again. So if, if you look at Ohio State's schedule, Let's let's just take a little peeky poo, shall we? We'll, we'll we'll call it a peeky poo. I like that. So they open up against Notre Dame, had a little bit of a struggle bust. Then they play the oh so tough Arkansas State and the oh so tough Toledo. Wisconsin's an okay program. Then they go to Rutgers, uh, and then we have Michigan State, and then Iowa, Penn State, a reputable program. Again, a little bit of a close game. Then Ohio State stumbles and, and trips. And, and has a problem with Northwestern, who are the Wildcats, as Ladarius pointed out, because I didn't even really know their mascot because they're such an irrelevant program. And you notice throughout their schedule, when they play tough teams, except for Northwestern, they have a hard time. And then, once again, the season closer, they actually have a reputable program in Michigan, and again, they lose. Now, we need to stop all this, oh, Ohio State is so great, because this is exactly what I mean. You play, and again, I know you can't choose your schedule, and I know you got to play with what's in front of you and all of these other things, but instead of playing cupcake programs in your off games that are not divisional, step into the batter's box, dig your foot in, and play some real teams, for Christ's sakes, Ohio State. Otherwise, you just look as foolish as you do right now. You you were overranked from the beginning of the season. You were overranked throughout the season. And then you play a reputable program and you just get mauled. It it it, it, it was it, Ladarius, I'm telling you, I was watching this game. So I was at a water park in uh in this little resort in in Kissimmee. I'm sitting in a wave pool, I've got my beer in my hand, and I'm watching this like 200 inch screen. And I'm telling you, I I, I looked like Drake. Or uh, uh, what's his face? The the coach from uh, from the Dallas Cowboys, Mr. Clapon, uh, Jason uh, Garrett. Jason Garrett. I'm telling you, I had to look like those two clapping, walking back and forth in this wave pool, with my beer in my hand, enjoying every moment of this. And there were so many guys like me that were just laughing it up because we're all tired of seeing this overrated, overhyped Ohio State program get put into a situation and get smoked faster than an Alice and Snoop Dogg's house. So. I'm just going to leave it at that. I told you so. Ohio State is garbage. They have a losing record against against good teams. They have a losing record against multiple SEC teams. They have a losing record in bowl games. Stop it. Just stop it. They, again, you can't argue fats and stacks. You can argue the emotional level and, oh, yeah, you know, they're great because they beat, you know, the University of, of Chattanooga Community College. That's cute and it's cuddly. They can't play real teams. 
let's just let's just cut it out. I'm happy to see Michigan trump them once again. Looking forward to see Michigan win their uh, their their Big Ten game and continue their playoff run. Of course, I don't want to see them win. I want the title to say where it belongs in the SEC. However, I am happy to see them uh, just put an outright beat down on Ohio State. So that's my take on it. I'm happy they lost. And Ladarius, I know you wanted to talk about some coaching, I believe, or some other schools and other programs. So I will yield my time to you, as you say, and I will just sit here with a smile on my face, knowing the anger and the animosity that I just created in about two minutes and 45 seconds. Yeah, see, you say two minutes and 45 seconds. I say eternity. But <laughs> a matter of time, you know, you know, time, you know, time travel, all that. Um, I just wanted to touch on, I don't want to take up I, I, the whole rest of the segment here. But I want to go back to points that I made earlier, you know, previous episodes about Clemson. And I was telling people about Clemson, if you can recall, I kept trying to tell people about Clemson, look. Things changed not only after that Notre Dame loss. No. When they played Syracuse and Dabo Sweeney pulled DJ out of the game and went with the number one recruiting, you know, quarterback, I said, you created controversy. And I said, that's not good. And and I said, and then when I saw South Carolina, I said, South Carolina's a pretty good football team. And I think Shane Beamer's going to turn it around there. Spencer Rowler, I think he's found a home. I think he's found – when it comes to quarterbacks, I always say it's about talent, talent will transcend systems. I've always I've always believed in that. But for Spencer Rowler, he's found a home in the right system with Shane Beamer. Now, I do want to go back to Michigan and Ohio State. It may, I may bounce around a little bit, but, it, but let me tell you something. I saw the game. And two things stuck out to me. Number one, Michigan's offense has always been all year about running the football. That's the Jim Harbaugh. When he was in with the NFL, if you go look back at his teams when he was with the 49ers, it was all about the run game. The run game leads to the passing game. But I give credit to Jim Harbaugh. I give credit to J.J. McCarthy. And Blake Corm, who was not healthy. But that didn't matter still was able to run the ball very efficiently, which was – and then their passing game, Michigan in the passing game, very – it doesn't make sense, but it happened. That's the takeaway. And the second takeaway, Chris, is it goes to coaching. And it goes to Ryan Day and Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator. Now, when you look at halftime adjustments, what I saw in the second half, Chris, I'm not putting that on C.J. Stroud. Marvin Harrison, I'm not, I'm putting it on the lack of coaching because you have to make adjustments because Ohio State is a very talented football. Whether people like them or not, they're a very talented football team. We can sit there and, and, we, and Chris, we can question it. But the fact of the matter is this, Chris, what I saw was a team that did not make adjustments, and that's on coaching. And this is not the first time this season, Ohio State's kind of struggled. But you can struggle with certain teams and get away with it. But when you're playing Michigan and you're playing, you're playing, you know, these top schools, you can't get away with that. And, and see, and one of the things that I looked back at a couple of Ohio State coaches, 
Ryan Day, I believe, is in his third season with Ohio State. He's he's one and two versus Michigan. We have to go back, Chris. We, we look at you look at Urban Meyer, Chris. In, in terms of the first three times they faced uh, Michigan, Urban Meyer is three and zero. Oh. Jim Trussell was two and one. The, the only coach that was worse than Ryan Day over the last thirty years was John Cooper, who was zero and three from eighty-eight to ninety. You have to go back almost thirty-five years. How do I know that? Because I was born in eighty-eight, so that's how I know the time frame. You have to you have to kind of go back thirty-five years, almost uh, over three decades, to find a coach who struggled in their first three games against Michigan. It, it may be a reminder. Now, Chris, I want to talk about Jim Harbaugh again. I remember, it, it, and, I'll, and I'll be the one for, I, listen, I was in front of that line. I was very critical of Jim Harbaugh. I'm man enough to admit that. I said he has to beat Ohio State. These You can go 10-1, 11-1, that's cool. But if you're one loss against Ohio State, that's not going to matter those other 10, 11 wins. It's not going to. It's going to be superfluous in the eyes of Michigan fans. In his first three games, Jim Harbaugh lost his first three games. Jim Harbaugh has now won two straight against Ohio State. Two straight, and this time, Chris, he beat them in Columbus. And that. I, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say I, I I vividly remember as much as last season that we said if. If he loses to Ohio State again, that might be yeah the we, the 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 certificate of of termination. Right. We, and, we, we, uh, yeah, we sure did. And and he, and he came through and did it. And then, like you said, most it's one thing to, to win a rivalry game at home. It's a whole different ball game when you step into the big house as Ohio State and win or whatever stupid I don't what do they call Ohio State the 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 cupcake fairy tale community college beat up zone or uh <laughs> you know or or as you know AM going into Death Valley or LSU going into the 12th man or you go into the Doke or the swamp eh? to go mm-hmm. in and win at your opponent's house that speaks man and uh so you know hats on uh, I, I was just as critical. I mean, hey, I'll, I'll admit it too. I was just as critical as Harborough uh, as as you were, and, and I, I I sat there and said, uh, you know, I 100% agree with you that if he does not win, he might need to find another job. And here he is going, uh, beating them again, getting a playoff seat, and keeping Michigan a, a, a top 10 team for two years straight. That's that's not an easy task. Yeah, and, and unless that, you're Ohio State. And that's the and that's the thing, because we have to put that in perspective. Jim Harbaugh lost his first three games against Ohio State, and I can remember, oh, he's going to go to the NFL, he's going to do this, and it goes to show you. And why I look at Ryan Day the way that I do, is because when you look at the overall, the overall aspect of the last couple of Ohio State coaches. Urban Meyer seven and zero. He's he never lost to Michigan. Never. That's called job security. He never lost. Jim Trestle was nine and one. 
and John Cooper was two ten and one. The point is, Chris, we could even look at the Florida Florida State rivalry, and we look at so many great coaches have coached in this rivalry, especially arguably two of the best coaches that on the full agree on this that we've ever seen in the last 25, 30 years, and Steve Spurrier and Bobby Bowden. Oh hell yeah, hundred hundred percent. I don't even care if you're not if you're not a Florida State fan or a Florida fan, you have to acknowledge that. That's the same thing. You you look at uh, the Yankees with with uh, you know with you got Terry Francona and and you got the boss man from the you know on the Yankees. You know, with Joe Torre, uh, you just got these coaches. Or in basketball, you you look at the the rivalry that Phil Jackson created with with some of these coaches around the league. It's just it's you got to give it off to them. Yeah, and, and it's amazing, and that's why sometimes the rivalry is important, but the coaching is important, and that's why I'm a big stickler on that. I'm not saying Ryan Day is a terrible coach. But what I'm saying is, and I think he's going to learn it, and he learned that lesson after that loss. This is that you can literally lose. I think, Chris, they would have – let's say they lost to Northwestern. That's a terrible loss. They would have took that loss over losing to Michigan. Because here's the thing. And, and we, like I say, we've seen it all the time. Coaches have gotten fired because they couldn't beat the rival. Like, the, the fact of the matter Ron Zook. Look at that's a perfect. I was just gonna. That's a perfect example. Ron Zook was like he he was already on ice. They thinnest of ice, but all would have been forgiven if he would have beat Florida State. Yeah, and when he couldn't beat Florida State, he the ice broke and he was looking for a life raft. Because to me, you have to you can overlook certain things in life. Whether we want to, and I'll say this before we transition. Whether we want to believe it or not. We overlook certain things in life because of one or two things. Because we're, we're humans, like we can overlook somebody's flaws. We can overlook certain things because of because the other traits or whatever. To me, a, a good fan base, and and it's amazing to me that you you brought up Billy Napier and you brought up and I was on Facebook. The whatever the, the I can't think of the name of the name of the group. Offhand, they did the Florida Gators, whatever the name of the group is, and they were talking about Billy Napier in the six and six season, and and I'm like, look, I'm just gonna say this. Understand what coaches inherit before we talk about their record, because understand this. I always give coaches three years. Why? Because you have to spend the first year trying to forget the football, Chris, you have to change the culture. And you can't do that in, in a year and be like, okay, well, this sucks. You got to go. No. First year, you're trying to get the culture. The second year, you got to go out and get the players. Now you got to start bringing in freshmen who's going to impact the next two to three years of your tenure if you last that long. And then third of all, you have to beat the teams you're supposed to be. And my biggest argument with, with Dan Mullen was he didn't check two of those boxes, and that's why he got fired. Oh, 100%. Because, A, he could he, he didn't want to recruit. And I never people say, oh, well, Dan Mullen took you. Like, look, stop. 
I, I always say this. I hate to be a repetitive person, but I'll say it. It's about having reasonable expectations. Okay. This is why when you look at Notre Dame, and you know what? And this is what has to be brought up as well. Notice like why Brian Kelly left when he did, and notice why Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma the way he did. Chris, that's not by coincidence. They knew like oh, we're gonna be terrible this year. Go look at Oklahoma's record, go look at Notre Dame's record. They I they got out before they were possibly get fired. They're like, oh, if, if Lincoln Riley would have stuck around this year, possibly next year, like, oh, man, we, we're we not talking about him as one of the best coaches in college football because I said this year, I think I said on this show, I talked about USC on this show, and we don't talk about the Pac-12 on this show. I, I talked about Lincoln Riley because I said Lincoln Riley's going to a place where he's comfortable, where it fits, and more importantly, he could win. You could turn around a program in a year if you can change the culture, get the recruiting, and beat who you're supposed to beat. And Chris, and they checked all those boxes this year. They beat UCLA. They beat they beat Chris, who they were supposed to beat this year in terms of rivals. Yeah. They have the shillelagh. They beat Notre Dame. Okay. Caleb Williams for Heisman is, is, is a legitimate thing. C.J. Stroud lost to Heisman last Saturday. He lost it. Whether, whether it's his fault or not, because at the end of the day, Records matter. It's a team sport. I don't think it's fair. It's like in baseball. Baseball, it goes to the team who have won the best records. As a Cubs fan, I can recall the, the Cubs were in last place when Andre Dawson won MVP. That was back in the 80s. But anyway, and I'll just say this. It's amazing to me, Chris, going back to uh, the Florida Force, I'll, I'll end on that note. I you got to give credit to Mike Norvell. Because this is what I say. Florida fans, Florida State fans, listen. Stop trying to run dudes out. Stop running coaches out. Mike Norvell, they want to run Mike Norvell out of town. But understand what Mike Mike Norvell inherited a catastrophe. Catastrophe. From Willie Taggart. Yeah, oh yeah, 100%. Who, by the way, got fired by FAU. So, yep. <laughs> so listen, and, and I'm telling people, you just can't fire coaches because there's money involved. You just can't, oh, well, you're fired. That coach is like, well, wait a minute, we have a contract. Where's the, where's the money? So you just can't, I think fans have to understand that aspect because you just simply can't fire a coach. And don't assume that uh, a school just has the money like that. We're not talking, Chris, 10, 20 million. Chris, this is the same thing I said about Jimbo Fisher. I wrote an article. Like, oh, well, Texas A&M needs to fire Jimbo Fisher. You know how much money it would cost Texas A&M to fire Jimbo Fisher? Yeah, he – yeah, that, that would that would be a very pricey I, I avenue mean, to walk down. Um, we're, we're talking in the neighborhood of, of close to $90 million. Yeah. And that's – so my, my whole takeaway from the whole thing is this. When it comes to Ohio State, Ryan Day is a good coach, but is he a good enough coach to beat Michigan? Because, like I said, we questioned Jim Harbaugh not even three years ago about the same thing. And now he's beat Michigan. Michigan has beaten Ohio State two years in a row. Michigan, if they get through, I'm assuming they can get through Purdue, now we put them in the conversation. 
when you're when you're Ohio State, all I saw in that game, Chris, was no adjustments. I saw zero adjustments, especially defensively. I saw nothing. Michigan was throwing the ball like they were a Big Ten, like a Big 12 school. They were just having their way with that defense. And well, and, and it's amazing to me. And people are like, oh, well, the players, no, 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 folks, that was coaching. When you watch a game, I can tell you the difference between whether the players suck or whether the coaching sucks. That was coaching. You can't make adjustments. Ryan Day, listen, Ryan Day is a good dude. And listen, Urban, I guess who's in the building? Urban Meyer was in the building. Okay. Urban, you know what Urban Meyer turned and said to whether you like him or not as a person, but when he was in that building, listen, people were thinking, you know, when that guy's sitting over there next to Matt Leinard and Reggie Bush, that guy never lost to Michigan. <laughs> even in this, Chris, even in Ohio State's down year under Urban Meyer, whichever under his seven years, which weren't many years that he was down, he still on a way to beat Michigan. Jim Trestle beat Michigan. The, the point is, Ryan Day, We when are we going to have those talks? Listen, I'm not predicting 2020. I'm not going to do that. But I don't care. You can, you can, we know you can coach. But when you face a coach like Jim Harbaugh, who figured it out, he understood the assignment. He's like, listen, if I don't start being Ohio State, I'm going to be out of a job. And they're like, well, how are you going to fire a guy who wins 70% of his games? It's happened before. Yeah. So it's not unprecedented. Like, well, well, he couldn't beat the rival. So I tell people, like, let's – the biggest takeaway from – even when you look at Clemson, like Dabo, that issue, I told, I said on this show, go watch that Syracuse game. That changed the dynamic. When, when – it's like this Clemson – I told people Clemson – Clemson – no, I told you Clemson wasn't a good team. I told you guys that. I told you. The same way Chris talked about Ohio State, I said about Clemson. But maybe I didn't go, you know, you know – Yeah, you didn't, you didn't go as- – yeah, you didn't go full deep, full tilt. Yeah, I, I didn't go full metal jacket like Chris here. But <laughs> but I, let me see your war face. Ah! <laughs> ah, great, great classic, great Kubrick film. But <sighs> speaking of coaching, speaking of let's transition to the NFL. Transition to the NFL. And and I and I'll start with your Jets and then I'll get your thoughts. And then I'll have more on the back end. Robert Sala did what a lot of coaches probably he listened to his locker room and he Zach Wilson had to learn a very valuable lesson and I think I've said it's called words matter when you're especially in the New York media we're not in Indianapolis not in Seattle you're in easily the largest media market in this country, I'd argue was one of the biggest in the world. And you have a microphone and someone asks you about accountability. And you stand up there and you basically take no accountability for that loss against New England. 
where the Jets defense did its job for 60 minutes and they just lost on a special teams play. They lost on the play where I could argue maybe you kind of kick it out of bounds, you kick it away. You don't you you, you don't risk it. Go ask yeah. go ask the go ask the Giants about that with Deshaun Jackson. Go ask them about that. About <laughs> don't kick it to the guy who thinks you know you, you don't risk it. Like probability will tell you, oh, they're not gonna score a touchdown, but listen, go ask the Giants about kicking it to Deshaun Jackson. We're talking like primo peak yeah. Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. But circling my point, Robert Sala put in Mike White. And people say, oh, it's the Bears. Stop. It's the NFL. And Bears still got a good defense at the end of the day, too. Let's not right, forget that. Right. And, and this, and then mind you, Chris, they traded away their best defensive player, Rokon Smith, Rokon Smith, before the trade deadline. So that's still a very good team defensively. And I'll get on my coaching rants about other coaches who. It's gonna. You're gonna do the ranting about the thing, and I do the ranting about the coaching. I think we found our, <laughs> our, you know, respective, you know, our niches. But uh, Chris, give us your thoughts on week twelve. Week twelve, yeah, folks. It's crazy to say that out loud. Week twelve of the National Football League. Um, you know, uh, so I'll I'll stick with the Jets and Bears game. Uh, I'll start there and kind of work my way around because I typically save the Jets for last. Um, first and foremost, Ladarius. Uh, are, are are you a watcher of South Park? Uh, yeah, I, I I've watched it back in the yeah. Have, have you seen the episode when Randy Marsh is uh, carrying his balls in a wheelbarrow? Yes, yes, I did. That's yeah. that, that that's Robert Sala. Um, he he took he took he he made a bold move. Um, as a head coach. You've got 54 people under you that are uh, your employees at the end of the day. Um, And one of the most important ones is the quarterback. The quarterback sets the tone for the entire team. Um, He, he is the precedence and he is the, the, the pinnacle of the entire team. Everything revolves around the quarterback. I don't care offensively, defensively. It goes through him at the end of the day. Whether you go out and throw for 300 yards and five touchdowns and your offense is perfect and your defense sucks that day, or you have the opposite effect where you're a whole bag and pile of trash and your defense is playing strong for 60 minutes. At the end of the day, as a quarterback, you have to take accountability and you have to you have to embrace that loss, whether it's yours or not, if you can go out there and throw a, a 30 for 30 passes, it's still a loss and it's your loss and you have to accept it, even if it's not, because that's what being a leader is is also about, is that you have to be able to stand tall and accept that. And Zach Wilson, what he reminded me of, Ladarius, is he reminded me of a spoiled kid who's never been told no in their entire life and has just been coddled and babied. And he got a heavy, heavy dose of reality on Sunday, not even being dressed out. As a starting quarterback, you've got a million jerseys sold around the States. Um, you're, you've, you, you've, you've, and you've got a good record. He's got a winning record this season. He's thrown some good games. But the problem is, is that his inconsistency speaks 
and his age shows. And I, and again, you know, and I know that it's a, I, I can't really use this to a point because uh, Josh Allen came from a, a low level school, but maybe playing at BYU and then stepping in the NFL, it's, it's two different talent levels that you're playing against. But in that, you know, Josh Allen played at a small school and he came out and, and the dude is a straight fire, but you know, maybe it's just a mental build the difference between Josh Allen and, and Zach Wilson. And um, I hope this was a valuable lesson for Zach Wilson. Um, it sucks to be Mike White on the backside of that, because if you look at it, you have a, a, a tough Chicago defense. Are they the best team in the league? No. Are they the Bills? Are they the Chiefs? No, but like you said, at the end of the day, it's the NFL and it's any given Sunday. But Mike White came out, and Mike White threw for 315 yards and three touchdowns. And most importantly, Mike White did not turn over the football. And that is one of the biggest issues that Zach Wilson has at the end of the day, is that he turns over the football. He makes a lot of foolish decisions. That same offensive line that protects Zach Wilson is the same offensive line that protected Mike White on Sunday. Um, you can only make so many excuses before it's just, as JoJo said, too little, too late. I think that Robert Sala has, uh, uh, he's got some difficult decisions that I think he has to make going on. You know, you're in week 12. You've only got a few weeks left. The chances of the Jets winning the division are not high. And, and, and I'm not trying to be pessimistic, but you have a Miami Dolphins that are playing on a whole different level. You have the Buffalo Bills who are just being the Buffalo Bills. And then you got the Patriots. I mean, so there, there's not a lot of room for error at this point. You've got the Dolphins at eight and three and the Bills at eight and three, the Jets at seven and four and the Pats at six and five. And if if you look at the schedule that the Jets have, they don't have it easy. They are playing in Minnesota next week. They're playing in Buffalo the following week. And then you have the squirrely Detroit Lions who have just been a thorn in everybody's ass as of late. And then the Jets are hosting the Jaguars at home. And again, the Jaguars are no slouches. And I think they proved that against Baltimore this week. And then you've got uh, the good old sea chickens out of Seattle. And then we finish off the season with the Dolphins. That's a, that is a scary, all of those teams are, are playing some good football and, you know, you've got some teams that are well above plus 500 um, and you, and you've got some teams that are below 500 that are playing some damn good ball with Detroit and in Jacksonville. So as a coach, I don't know. And again, I've never coached NFL or D1. I, I, I coached high school ball, you know, I don't know if I what if I was in sale of shoes what I would do because you have a Mike White who threw for three touchdowns and didn't turn the ball over, but you have your your starting quarterback who you invested a first round and I think Ladarius correct me if I'm wrong Zach Wilson was a second overall pick right Yep that is correct That's a lot of money at the end of the day That's a lot of coinage that you've got sitting on the bench and you have to make a decision on what you're going to do with. Um, I, I don't want to be in his shoes right now. Whatever decision he makes, I'll definitely respect. Uh, but he has to look out, not necessarily for Zach Wilson's feelings, but for the entire franchise of the New York Jets football team 
and the the city and state of New York and and East Rutherford, New Jersey, because well, that's really where they play at the end of the day. <laughs> um, but they they won this week. I, you can't deny that. Uh, my uh, White played a hell of a game, and I'm going to be curious to see what goes on next week. So uh, to be continued on the Jets. Circling around the league, you know, we we're talking about the Bills and the Lions just a little bit ago. The, the Lions, I don't know if you had a chance to watch this game with Aries. The Lions, uh, they gave Buffalo a run for their money there uh, towards the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, Buffalo kind of squeaked that one out. Josh Allen, you know, he threw for, you know, 253 yards, two touchdowns. He did throw a pick, but he also ran 78 yards for a touchdown. I mean, dude was just an outright machine. Uh you know, and then you look at the Lions, you know, Jared Goff's production wasn't terrible. 240 yards and two touchdowns. And most importantly, he didn't turn the ball over. And that's something that uh, uh, that we don't get to say very often. Uh, you know, St. Brown, nine receptions, 122 yards and a touchdown. Jamal Williams, 66 yards on 18 carries and a touchdown. Um, you know, DeAndre Swift didn't have a ton of uh, – of, of play going on, but you know, hopefully that improves uh, for you boys that have him on the fantasy, except if you face me, of course. Um, but you know, the lions are, you know, they, they don't have a winning record. They're four and seven right now. They're definitely not going to win their division. They're definitely not going to see the playoffs, but they're that team that can ruin somebody's playoff hopes late season, maybe drop a loss, push them out of a wild card position. Um, I definitely think that it's going to be an interesting situation there. It was, a, it was an awesome Thanksgiving game to watch. You know, same thing with the Cowboys and, and the New York Giants. I mean, it, you look at the Cowboys at 8-3 and three and the Giants are 7-4. and four. Um, I, I can safely say, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and formally announce, I think I was dead wrong in my NFC East predictions this season by a long shot. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were too. You weren't too far behind me on on some of these. I, I think we equally picked on the NFC East with no no remorse. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we did. and I, here I we think, are. Yeah, I even caught up. But the only thing that I feel I was right about was the Eagles. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I knew the Eagles were going to be a good football team. It's just everyone else. Was going to be a dumpster. Was going to be a straight uh, yeah. dumpster. Yeah, and, and trust me, I, I feel we're not the only ones who, who, who now who are talking about it. They felt that way twelve weeks ago. So yeah, so I don't. Yeah. So we shouldn't feel that bad about ourselves. Yeah, but no, I mean, you know, Daniel Jones came out there, you know, two hundred and twenty-eight yards and a touchdown. Uh, you know, Shaquan Barkley was fairly quiet on the ground. You know, he only had thirty-nine yards and a touchdown. Leading uh, receiver was Darius Slayton for sixty-three yards. Uh, didn't see the end zone, but uh, Richie James hit on 41 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, then you look at the Cowboys, you know, uh, Dak Prescott, you know, he did throw uh, 261 yards, two TDs, but he did throw two picks. Uh, Zeke, this is probably one of the best games that Zeke Elliott has had in a while. He, I think he needed this to, to keep his career alive in, in, in Dallas. You know, he, he had 16 carries on 92 yards. And a touchdown. I can't tell you the last time Zeke even saw a hundred plus yard game. I know it's been a long while. Uh, you know, Tony Pollard came out. He you know carried the ball for uh, sixty yards. Uh, you know, Dalton Schultz was the one racking in the touchdowns. You know, thirty one yards on two TDs. Uh, CD Lamb had hundred and six yards. Didn't see the end zone. Michael Gallup had sixty three yards. Didn't see the end zone. I know as a receiver that can definitely get frustrating when you're doing all the work and you know the tight end punks it in at the end, but. 
like you said earlier, this is a team sport and you have to win as a team and you can also equally lose as a team. You know, so definitely hats off to uh, the Cowboys, you know, being eight and three right now, which is not something, again, that I thought I would be saying out loud. Um, but, you know, that was definitely a good game. And then the night game on there on Thanksgiving night, um, the Patriots and Vikings, the Patriots are, or excuse me, the Vikings are just, just scary. You know, they're nine and two. And this is the first game. And, and I don't know how long. Maybe hopefully you can check the stat or let me know later on, or we can post it on the social medias. This is the primetime game that Kirk Cousins won. You know, uh, that that is something that I don't think I've had the ability to say in a long, long time. It, it explains the weather. Uh, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and I think you and I even talked about it. And I think it was maybe Wednesday or sometime that, or maybe even after last week's episode when we when we finished it up, is I said that I was I was worried because Kirk Cousins was playing in prime time, and I had two. You know, of course, I have him as my fantasy quarterback, and I had uh, both of my teams that I have him as quarterback were. Uh, I don't want to say they were must win, but it definitely secured my spot in the playoffs. Um, I, I needed that win and, uh, I'm, I'm definitely happy that I got it. And I'm, and Kirk Cousins definitely came out and, and put on a show. Uh, I, I think he did incredibly well. I mean, you, you, 299 yards, three touchdowns. He did throw one interception. Um, but you know, I mean, they, they did it. They didn't do too much on the ground this week. You know, Dalvin cook only had 42 yards, uh, on 22 carries, but Justin Jefferson, came out with 139 yards reception to touchdown. My boy Adam Thielen came out with 61 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and then TJ Hokinson, uh, 43 yards and a touchdown. I, I, TJ Hokinson being traded to the Minnesota Vikings, I think saved this guy's career. I really, really, really think it did. I think if he would have stayed with the Lions, he would have just slowly withered in – and kind of fallen off because of the lack of production that the Lions have offensively. Um, so I'm happy to see him with a high volume team, and I'm definitely happy to see that. Um, and then, of course, anytime the Patriots lose is, is a is a good day for America at, at the end of it. Um, you know, the uh, you know the Bengals beat the Titans, the Panthers beat the Broncos, uh, the Commanders squeaked one out on your Falcons. I, I know you want to talk on that one. Um, the Jaguars somehow pulled one out of the, out of the hat with, with the Ravens. Um, you know, the Raiders, which I, that, that was a game of Raiders and Seahawks. I definitely thought that that was going to be a, uh, a Seahawk driven game. Not so much, um, you know, but then, you know, the other game that really boiled down to it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the, and the Cleveland Browns, you know, uh, going into overtime. I, I don't know what happened there. Um, uh, Tampa's five and six, uh, Cleveland's four and seven, and this game just didn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, I I don't know how it it worked itself into this situation, but somehow at five and six, the Bucks are are the dumpster fire champions of the NFC South. I I don't I don't know how. Um, you look at their schedule. Um, same situation. They've, they've got a not so easy schedule. They've got the 49, uh, excuse me. They've got the saints, uh, this coming Monday. I think they're going to do okay with, 
Then they've got the 49ers, the Bengals, and the Cardinals. And then they wrap the season up with the Panthers and the Falcons. So I definitely think they've got to win those games in order to, to, to maybe find their way into the playoffs. But I don't know if Tampa has enough to, to survive in the playoffs this season. Uh, you know, and again, I'm not trying to pick personal, but Tom Brady's personal situation, I don't think has helped. Um, uh, Leonard Fournette being injured. Um, it's just a slew of issues that Tampa has been facing uh, and it just does not get better. Um, so hopefully they figured out, but that overtime loss to Cleveland, that that's a game they should have won. And they had so many opportunities to win it and it just didn't happen. Uh, you know, another, another fun game that was just this ridiculous to watch was uh, the LA Rams and the Kansas city chiefs. Uh, Patrick Mahomes came out and just did Patrick Mahomes things. Uh, Bryce Perkins, he tried and I gave it to him. He did throw a touchdown, uh, on a hundred yards, but he also threw two picks. Kansas city was just swarming him that entire game. Um, LA is an, LA is definitely in a situation there. Hopefully they can get that figured out. Um, the Sunday night game, the Packers and Eagles, again, fun game to watch. Um, I think everyone was kind of pulling for Aaron Rodgers to hopefully do something, um, we talked about it last week. I think we talked about it the week before and probably the week before that. Rodgers doesn't want to be there. Um, I don't know if he even wants to play football uh, at this point. His body language speaks volumes, and it doesn't speak a lot, and it doesn't speak well. So hopefully Green Bay can figure out and come to some amicable decision there um, to neither get Rodgers focused or to get him out of there, maybe get him a trade him off, get him to another team, uh, see what happens from there. And then the Monday night game, uh, the Steelers and the Colts, that game was about as what we expected. And we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, I know there's some games that you wanted to touch on, so I will, uh, as you say, I will yield my time over to you, sir. Thank you, sir. Um, I just have a few things before we get to your uh, fantasy uh, football segment. I, I want to start with that Steelers-Colts game. Because I was flipping between that and I was watching Monday Night Raw. For those who don't know, I'm a huge wrestling fan. So I was flipping between that. And all I can say is, is that, like, like Jeff Saturday, my guy, you have three timeouts. You don't get a point for every timeout you keep to your score. Use your timeouts. And we've seen... Go back to Nathaniel Hackett, all the way back in week one. Let all this time run out. You have timeouts. You have all three. Use them. Save time. If Are you trying to win the game? Or are you, you – like, Jeff Saturday can make the excuse, well, I've never – that's why you don't hire a guy who hasn't coached in the collegiate or the NFL level. That's what happens. And, and I'm not going to go down that route again because I think I, I think I I, I I went all in the last time I talked about that. So I'm going to leave that there before I anger myself again. As for the Falcons-Commanders game, that was a very rough game to watch for two reasons. Because I, I, I like Arthur Smith, but Chris, I don't think he knows what the hell he wants to do. And here's what I mean. He wants to have some balance on the offense, which, I, which, which I'm okay with. But when you're in the goal line, Chris, and you have a chance to win the game, 
and you're a top five running team, why are we throwing the ball? It, it yeah. goes back to it goes back to that Seahawks Patriots Super Bowl where you have Marshawn Lynch, <laughs> and you got four downs. You need four downs to get a yard, so average out to point two five, and you can't to get point two five of a yard to get a fourth of a yard each play for him to score. You know we're just gonna throw it. What are we doing? And I'm looking at Arthur Smith and like, <sighs> yeah, you could have ran with Marcus Mariota. You had Tyler Algier. You have a triumvirate of running backs. You have Huntley. You have Algier. You have Patterson. And, and we throw the ball on the first play. And I'm like, when he threw it, I said, it's going to get intercepted. When it got in the air, I'm like, it's over. When you're a fan, you know. I'm like, we, we lost. We lost. So I, I'm to this point, Chris, where we're, we're at, we're, we're heading into week 13. At some point, Chris, Marcus Mariota is not the long-term answer at quarterback. He's a good dude, serviceable quarterback. And for all the heavens and the stars, we are still somehow in the NFC South race because everybody <laughs> in that division is absolute cheeks. All right? Absolute cheeks. So for Arthur Smith, to your point about Robert Sala and the quarterback, Arthur Smith's going to have a decision to make, Chris, because the, for Robert Sala, it's about making the playoffs. But for Arthur Smith, like, hey, we could actually win this thing. Yeah. Like, and if you would have said that 12 weeks ago, I'd have been like, Chris, you're a liar. So you have to be like, listen, even I'm like, we're going to have a 4 1 season. Okay, great. We get a high pick. We'll, we'll be in the Bryce Young, CJ Stroud sweepstakes. We're cool. But at some point, Chris, my question to Arthur Smith is, when are we going to see Desmond Ritter? Because here's the reality. Even though it was a third-round pick we invested, Chris, we have to figure out the quarterback position because the whole issue with, with Matt Ryan, it, it went very fast in the context of when the reports came out that Arthur Blank went after Deshaun Watson. Well, that didn't sit well with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan obviously – Wanted out, and I like I said to this day, I don't blame him for that because for two reasons: a, Matt Ryan did nothing for him to 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 lose his job. That's number one, and number two, Matt Ryan is easily the best quarterback in franchise history. Oh, hands down, and that was disrespectful. Like, as I think what was also disrespectful. If I could cut you off, what what was disrespectful to Matt Ryan is to not build an offensive line around him. If you yeah. look at you yeah. look at great quarterbacks throughout the years, and let's even rewind it a few years back. Let's look at Kurt Warner. They built an offensive line around Kurt Warner's skill set. Let's take a look at Tom Brady. They took and built an offensive line around his skill set. Brett Favre, John Elway. Um, I mean, for Christ's sake, Byron Leftwich when he was at the Jacksonville Jaguars. They built an offensive line around him to support him. But the thing and, is, I mean to cut you off, but I have a counterpoint for it. Um, what, what I will say is, listen, I'm not going to disagree with you there, but I argue the offensive line issue was an issue well beyond his final season with Atlanta. Oh, God. And, and, and to me, that goes with drafting. 
And I felt like with a new regime, with Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith, who predicates on having a great offense, yet yet you have to have a great offense and have a great running game. So I think Arthur Smith was, and Terry Fontenot were going to work on that, but the whole Deshaun Watson situation kind of just just kind of ruled. That was the straw that broke the camera's yeah. back. So like I said, I think Matt Ryan was committed for at least one more season, which would have been this year, and then he would have probably retired. And so that gives the time to to mold whoever they were going to draft, which ended up being Desmond Ritter. But my whole thing is, if you're Arthur Smith, are we even going to see Desmond Ritter this year? Because we've seen a lot of guys drafted this quarterback-wise. We've seen them play. But the thing is, for Arthur Smith, it's different because we could win a division. So is Mark the question that Arthur Smith has to have is Marcus Mariota good enough to win the NFC South? And when you look at the quarterback in the division, Chris, I don't think it's hyperbole to kind of say he's the second best quarterback behind Brady, and there's a huge gap between Brady and Mariota. <laughs> like there, there's a huge gap. Like we're not gonna say, oh, Mariota's right there. Like stop. Yeah, I'm a fan. We're, we're, we're he's in a strong second place. Yeah, a, a very strong. It's kind of like Michael Phelps in the Olympics, where everybody was just swimming for second. So, but Michael Phelps came on the back turn. Everybody else was still making their their final turn. It's like, well, who's going to come in second? That that's kind of how it is with them. Yeah. So that's my thoughts on that. And also, I, I want to circle back. And you talked about the Lions. The Lions are in the same position, Chris, where Jared Goff for giving him all this money. And remember, Chris, they have the Rams draft pick this year. And the Rams, and I got to put on a T-shirt, <laughs> the Rams are absolute cheeks. So that's going to be a high draft pick. So now if you're the Lions, and depending how you finish the season, like what do you do at quarterback? And, and I, I, had on the, I, I, I spoke to a Lions fan. I interviewed and I talked to him and, and and I said I told him I'll say the same thing there that I said here. Jared Goff is a very good quarterback. He's not gonna set the world on fire. It's just that the situation with McVay, McVay wanted Stafford. So so and it was so bad that you know what the Rams said? We don't need these picks. They're kind of regretting that now. And oh, they God. shipped him all over to Detroit and to get to get Stafford, and then they shipped off Goff. It's interesting. The quarterback position has always fascinated me for years. You know, like the nerd in me, I could watch quarterback tape all day. I could watch quarterbacks play. When I watched Jared Goff play, Chris, the problem was the confidence, especially in his final year with the Rams. It's just like he knew McVay didn't want him. So, and that that weighs on you when you when you are in a situation. I don't whether it's work or a relationship or a friendship. If you are somewhere where you are not wanted, that takes a toll on you psychologically. Yeah. And, and he knew that. And it, yeah. And, and he knew that the first available train out of LA, he was going to be on it. Yeah. And lo and behold, he's in Detroit. And, and, and it's funny, it's like, you know, Detroit's in second place right now in the NFC North at four and seven, which is saying a lot. Saying a lot. Yeah. I mean, granted, it, it, there is a gap 
There is yeah, a gap it's, it's, between it's, the Vikings it's, and the Lions. It's the Brady Mariota gap. That, that, that's yeah, what it is. yeah. But but if if you would have told me that uh, at this time, this you know uh, right now, twelve weeks ago when the season started, that the Lions were going to have a better record than the Green Bay Packers going into the last few games of the season, I would have looked at you and committed you to the funny farm. You would, have, you would have been eating, popping pills, as, as Eminem and D12 said, and bouncing off the, the, the padded walls of a white little room. And, but yeah. yet, here we are. And and the scary thing is, the Lions can only get better. You have a deteriorating Green Bay Packers. You have a Chicago Bears organization that is having a straight-up identity crisis. And then the Vikings have just this came out of the woodwork and and I think I talked about it last season and preseason of this year that they're they have everything to prove and nothing to lose uh-huh. and the Vikings can be that team in the NFC that will screw some teams out of uh out, out of a out playoff, playoff contention yeah. and and it's amazing and I'll say this before we go to the fans football segment it's amazing Chris that I'll do you one better if you would have told me that the Detroit Lions would have a better record than the defending Super Bowl champions. I would have slapped I, you. I just, because here's the thing. And, and, and Sean McVay, here's what happened, Chris, with the Rams. I'm I'm not in there. Listen, I'm the Falcons fan. I, I you know, But what I will say is this, Chris. What happened is, like, go back to their offseason that they won the Super Bowl. There were reports that Sean McVay, oh, he may retire. Aaron Donald may retire. Sean McVay comes back. Aaron Donald gets paid. Matthew Stafford is not 100%. He's been hurt all season. And what's worse, Chris, is that Cooper Cup is not healthy. You have a defense where, like, there's nothing there. And you would think this is where draft picks matter. How are they going to rebuild? And the my thing is that they got to trade. The one person they definitely, I feel like they have to trade, if you're not going to trade Cooper Cup, you got to trade Allen Robinson. You have to trade somebody. You have to trade some pieces to get some assets back because the whole we don't believe in trading, you know, in draft picks nonsense. Yeah, now it's biting them. And now the Lions are sitting there with the potential top they're five. They're sitting pretty. <laughs> yeah, they're and, sitting pretty. And, and now they're sitting around like we could get a guy. So now I guarantee you Dan Campbell and that staff, they're looking at Jared Goff. From this point on, Chris, how Jared Goff plays, forget wins and losses. Forget wins and losses. How Jared Goff plays will determine what the Lions will do in the 2023 draft. Because if they if they're in a position where they feel like, you know what, and they have the assets to do it, and they have they'll have a top five pick, like if we can get into the top two, because if we assume the Texans are going to be the worst team in the league, yeah. Yeah, they're going to get a quarterback. So, so you got you got to get in the top three to get a quarterback. Yeah. Do you trade up to get a quarter, or do you sit where you are and make Maybe a move go after a receiver? Yeah, or do you, a receiver? Do you go after? A, do you to continue to build the defense? You know, Jeff Okuda, who they drafted the two year, and you have Ada Hudgens, who you drafted in this year's draft. What the the world, as they say, is their oyster. And, and I'll say this, and I'll talk about Aaron Rodgers. And, Chris, I don't believe in – and you know me a long time. I don't believe in hyperbole. But 
I truly believe to double down to what we talked about last week about him not caring, Chris, I will double down and say this. If you're Matt LaFleur, if you're in the front office, shut Aaron Rodgers down. Just shut him down. Because yeah. you have to you have to see what you have in Jordan Love. Like Chris, they didn't waste a second round pick. It was the old the reason why here's the thing. You have to see what you have. In your first because this is the guy who you dread to to succeed Aaron Rodgers. So you kind of got to see what Jordan Love's gonna give you. Because we've seen like little sporadic moments, but we need to see Jordan Love as if he's the full-time starter. And that's never gonna happen as long as number 12 is wearing that Green Bay Packers helmet and he discount double checking with State Farm. That's not going to happen. And for his own good, he's 38. See, this is what makes Tom Brady's situation so remarkable is that he can still play at 45 and a lot of do with a healthy offensive line. But, <laughs> and a lot of, he's staying in shape. And we look at Aaron Rodgers like, we look at Aaron Rodgers the way we looked at Ben Roethlisberger toward the end. We're like, yeah. we're like, this, hurt like this beat is up. rough. Like, like this is rough to watch, and and I and I feel that watching that game and him exiting the game, I'm not saying the last time we see Aaron Rodgers that he's going. He said he he, he said he's going to play, so take that for what you will. I, I mean, you have to shut him down for you. at this point of the season. I feel if your team is absolute cheeks, it's time to protect your stars. All right, like protect. You know, just because your cheeks save the cheeks of your franchise players, all right? Because, like, listen, case in point, Aaron Rodgers, ain't no way. It, it's Minnesota and everybody else, all right? Yeah. It's Usain Bolt and whoever finishes second, all right? It, it, it doesn't matter. Whoever finishes second ain't making the postseason. So I think you shut down guys like Aaron Rodgers. I think now the season goes on, Chris, you start shutting down your superstars like, like Josh Allen, 100%. If Buffalo can clinch the AFC East, then you might consider shutting Josh Allen down. Yep. But as competitive as that division is, he might have to play the rest of the way. Yeah, he, he may. Yeah, he, that's going to be a situation there. He's going he's gonna to have to fight through at the end of the day. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and and on that note, speaking of things to fighting through, for a very pivotal, and I think every week on will be pivotal until the end of the fans football season, a very pivotal Week 13 stardom. Man, it's it's crunch time. <laughs> it is crunch time. Um, you know, you've got situations where you have, uh, you know, it's a catastrophic injury with Kyle Pitts. Anytime that any uh, position player running back wide out tight end, um, they get a knee issue. Um that requires surgery um that's never a good time what makes things worse is that you have a a tight end with such talent and promise that's just being underutilized because of the complete shitstorm that uh that atlanta's in right now um so it, it it only makes things go from like bad to worse essentially at the end of the day um and these are things that you really, really got to start accounting for. Um, so at this point, I think, and, and we've talked about this beforehand, um, at this point going into week 13, you know where you stand. You are like, I could drop a couple games 
and still make the playoffs, or it is I could uh, just tank the rest of the games and go after uh, a, a better draft pick next season, or you have to make that conscious decision. Maybe you are a uh, like a, a seven and six team, or a seven and or like a seven and five, uh, you know, somewhere around there. And you've got to make a, such a, a, a judgment call to say, I'm going full tilt. I'm putting all my chips in and I got to go for the win or I tank it and then I'll get like a mid-level draft pick. So these are the situations that everybody's in right now. Um, and we'll just play from there. So your starters and sit um, So I'll run it from quarterback all the way down and then answer any questions that Ladarius might have as we go through. So your must-starts, your Tua's, your Lamar's, your, your Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, all those guys, um, you know, those are going to be your, your go-tos. So a strong start coming out of the gate. This is his first game back into uh, into the saddle. Uh, Deshaun Watson going against the Houston Texans. Uh, you know, the, the people are saying, you know, oh, there's some worry about, you know, rust for him. A, he's playing statistically one of the worst defenses in the NFL. B, he's playing against a defense that he practiced against every single day. Um, so he's going to immediately return to a, a, a strong QB1 start. And then also Deshaun Watson has significantly better weaponry uh, than he did at Houston. So definitely sit back and, and watch for that. Um, Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars at Detroit. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence, and I said this last week, I think he's kind of found his groove. He's really getting in there and 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 playing well and getting the ball out quick and getting into the hands of his receivers or his, his corner or uh, his uh, running backs and those guys. And the Lions pass defense it looks like a, a giant piece of Swiss cheese. So I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have himself a day with that. Uh, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers against New Orleans. I think his floor is a 250-yard 2TD. That's that's the floor that I think he's going to have. Uh, t- uh, New Orleans defense is just in shambles. And I think that Brady, he knows that in order to survive and get into the playoffs, he's going to have to play better than he has ever played before. Um, and he's going to ha- he's going to have to do well. I think that Jimmy G going against the Dolphins. Uh, Garoppolo really wasn't needed too much last week, so he's definitely going to have uh, a lot more energy. And this is going to be a track meet between the 49ers and and the Miami Dolphins. You got CMC on one side, you got Tyreek Hill on the other side. This is going to be such a fun game to watch. Um, I think that Mike White, <laughs> I've got him on a, on a strong start from the New York Jets going against the uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I think that. The, the reason why I have him here is because you have a, a New York Jets offense that's actually thriving with him and that even thrived under Zach Wilson going against a Minnesota defense that, that just isn't that great. Minnesota wins because they put more points on the board, which causes the other team to continuously throw. Uh, statistically, quarterbacks against the Vikings defense have done very well, so I expect Mike White to have another excellent game. I don't know if he's going to go and throw for three touchdowns like he did last week against the bears. But I definitely think that it's going to be a situation there that it's, it's going to be very favorable to uh, Mike White. Uh, Jared Goff and the uh, Detroit lions uh, going against the Jaguars, same situation. Jaguars are um, playing in Detroit. Uh, and I think Goff is going to have a crowd on the side. 
And I think that just because of how well Trevor Lawrence is going to do, it's going to force Goff to perform just as good, if not better, to get that win. To, like, well, like we just discussed a few moments ago, to start figuring out how they're going to build that team. Job, or Goff is playing for his job at this point. Does he get replaced or does he get weapons? Those are his two options, nothing more, nothing less. Um, some of your fan duel DFS draft picks, uh, again, Trevor Lawrence, Jimmy G, you should be able to get both of those guys, uh, under $7,500. Um, I think you're going to be in a good situation that if you need a quarterback, maybe yours is just sucking, banged up, not playing well, whatever, you'll be able to get those guys for cheap. Uh, some of your weaker starts are going to be, uh, Derek Carr and the Raiders going against the Chargers. If you look at stats and again, facts and stats matter. That's so kind of like my mantra. He sucks playing against the Chargers. It is brutal. His history against Chargers is not pretty. Don't just don't do it. Uh, unfortunately, I got your guy on the Falcons, Marcus Mariota, on the weak start. Um, going against Pittsburgh, this is a trap game for Atlanta. It is a hundred percent trap game. You have no Kyle Pitts, Drake London's still all over the place, and Marcus Mariota is just going to be running for dear life. Um, and you have a Pittsburgh defense that's improving weekly, so this could be a very strong trap game. Um, Daniel Jones and the New York Giants going against the Washington Commanders. The Commanders are suddenly a tough defense to, to get quarterback points against. Um, so as good as Daniel Jones has been playing, Riverboat Ron has really reshaped that, that Washington defense. And I definitely think that he's going to have a situation there that um, is not going to be favorable for uh, for Daniel Jones. On the opposite side of the ball, I have Taylor Heineke uh, as a no-go as well. The Giants have been consistently tough on quarterbacks. So you have a situation where you have an improving defense and a great defense against quarterbacks. So definitely not. A, uh, if you got either one of those guys, maybe see if you can find a secondary option. Um, Ryan Tannehill uh, going against the Eagles. Uh, Tannehill cooled off against the Bengals. And I think this week it's going to be a very run-heavy plan against Philadelphia. Philadelphia doesn't have the best run defense. Um, so I think you're going to see Ryan Tannehill dump the ball off uh, to Derrick Henry and really get things going. Um, Mac Jones going against uh, the Buffalo Bills. This is just not a good matchup for him. Buffalo has been on a war path, and I don't think it's going to stop uh, with Mac Jones this week. Uh, moving on to your running backs, your must-starts, your Austin Eckler's, your Josh Jacobs, your Christian McCaffrey's. Uh, if you don't know him by now, just, just go ahead and stop listening. Um, some of your stronger stars, I got Damian Pierce on the on the list again, the Houston Texans going against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, he, he did he did have a couple bad games here. Unfortunately, you can't play great every single week. Um, but playing against the, the the Cleveland Browns is one of the best matchups you can have as a running back. Um, statistically, running backs against the Browns do incredibly well. So um, be on the lookout for that. Travis Ntn from the Jacksonville Jaguars. If he does return, he's uh, he's got an injury issue there that he's uh, trying to work out with his foot. He should be okay. Uh, if he is, expect him to go wild. Uh, this is going to fast track, and he's going to make up for some missed opportunities from last week. Again, Detroit's run defense is just god awful. Um, I think Zeke doing his thing. They're playing back at home, uh, you know, at AT&T Stadium. Uh, I think that he is definitely going to do some work and, uh, you know, kind of share some time with Tony Pollard. Uh, and I, I definitely see him seeing the end zone again here. I don't know if he'll hit a, that 100-yard mark yet, but I definitely think that he's trying to do everything he can to keep his career relevant. Um, I think that Jamal Williams from the Detroit Lions is going to be the exact opposite uh, going against the Jacksonville Jaguars of NTN. 
this is going to be a high scoring game and the Jaguars allow a ton of rushing touchdowns. Check the numbers. It's not a good situation there. Uh, Zonovan Knight from the New York Jets going against the, uh, the Minnesota Vikings. I think the combination between uh, him and James Robinson um, are, is going to be well. And I think with Michael Carter out with the ankle issue and of course, Brees Hall, you know, after the season with the, uh, with the knee issue, this, he's going to get a ton of volume and I think he's going to be, uh, uh, he's going to be used a lot on a vulnerable offensive front from the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, some of your fan dual DFS DraftKings picks, um, David Montgomery from the Chicago bears going against the green Bay Packers. And then Aaron Jones from the Green Bay Packers going against the Chicago Bears. You should be able to get both of those guys uh, for 7,400 and under. Um, Aaron Jones outright destroyed uh, the the Bears on on their week two matchup. And I think this is going to be just like a, a control C and control V. And for you Windows nerds, uh, or I guess nerds that don't know Windows, uh, that is copy, cut, and paste right there. Um, I think he's going to be doing some work. Uh, I think with David Montgomery, uh, I think that he's just going to ground and pound. And Green Bay is just Green Bay is not playing well on either side of the ball, so I, I think we understand what's going to happen there. Uh, some of your weaker starts for for your running backs: uh, Devin Singletary against the uh, against the New England Patriots. The Patriots can definitely stiffen him up, and they're not going to give him a lot of room to run. And also, I think that Josh Allen's going to be out there gunslinging uh, to Stephon Diggs and the crew. So I don't I don't see Singletary having the relevance that he had uh, with Buffalo the past couple of weeks. DeAndre Swift against the Lions. Um, just just stop forcing it. Uh, even with this matchup, just stop forcing it. Uh, however, I do have uh, Cordell Patterson on a weaker start, unfortunately, from the Falcons. The Steelers are really shorn up against the run. And with the situation offensively that Atlanta's in, I wouldn't trust Cordell Patterson. Um, so on this game, this is probably one of the funniest ones that I think I've done all season. I have every single Ravens running back and every single Broncos running back on, on the no-go list just because of how good both teams are at defending the run and the situation that, that the Broncos are in offensively and as of late, the situation that the Ravens have been in offensively. Um, I, I'm just, if you have any of those guys, I would just th- – this is going to be an aerial show. If you got running backs from these teams, just go ahead and throw them on the bench. Uh, I literally have every single Rams player on a no-go list against the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Um, just, just don't be, do the opposite of Nike. Just don't. Um, another one I got, uh, is Kareem Hunt with the uh, Cleveland Browns going against the Houston Texans based on the matchup. You know, this is a very tempting option. However, I think that Nick Chubb is going to get such a huge workload that Kareem Hunt's is going to be kind of irrelevant, uh, going into there. Uh, moving on to your wideouts, of course, your your go-tos, your A.J. Brown, your Stephon Diggs, your Justin Jefferson, your Tyree Kills, your so on and so forth. Uh, if you don't know them, just stop. Some of your strong starts. Uh, so I've got Garrett Wilson from the New York Jets going against the Minnesota Vikings. It's not, you know, like I feel like I talk out of both sides of my mouth on this because I talk so high at the Vikings, but then I'm like, oh, play the, every single player against the Vikings every single week. The Vikings are just not great defensively. They they hold their own, but uh the Minnesota offense is what wins them games. And I think that's a unanimous decision. Um, on top of that, with Garrett Wilson, he's going to – I think him and Mike White had this awesome chemistry last week on the field. They were just – they were in on each other. Um, and you have a cornerback core uh, that's uh, pretty much down to Patrick Patterson – or Patrick Peterson. 
And there's the, the Jets are going to be doing a lot of high-flying stuff, so expect Garrett Wilson to have a good game. Um, I, I think that Josh Palmer from the uh, Los Angeles Chargers uh, will have a good game. Uh, I think him and Keenan Allen will be that that DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett dynamic duo from last week, and I think that'll be this week uh, going against the, the 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 Vegas Raiders there. Um, I got Deontay Johnson from the Pittsburgh Steelers going against Atlanta. I think that this is going to be the game that him and Kenny Pickett break out. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Uh, I on the opposite side of the ball, um, I think that Alan Lazard is going to get some time to shine. Uh, I think that you're going to have a situation there where you're going to have some really, really good options uh, for for Alan Lazard there. Um, and then, of, of course, against the Chicago's thin secondary. So it's going to kind of just be a free-for-all. Uh, I think that Tyler Boyd's going to have a strong uh, from the Cincinnati Bengals. I think he's going to have a strong game, mainly because Jamar Chase is going to be back. So the defense is going to be Tupac, all eyes on me against Jamar Chase. And Tyler Boyd has statistically played better with Jamar Chase on the field because the defense will pull that safety and that, or that extra corner onto Jamar Chase. And Tyler Boyd's almost doing jumping jacks in the middle of the field, begging for the ball. Um, I also have uh, Sky Moore from the Kansas City Chiefs going against the Cincinnati Bengals. He's slowly getting more, uh, more play, and he's getting more touches. And I think he's definitely due for a big, big play from Patrick Mahomes to, to get some points in. Uh, some of your fan duels, so your DFS, DraftKings, those guys. Um, you should be able to get all of these guys under 7,800. A.J. Brown from the Eagles going against the Titans. Garrett Wilson from the New York Jets going against the Minnesota Vikings. Christian Watson of the Green Bay Packers going against the Chicago Bears. And uh, Keenan Allen uh, from the Chargers going against the Vegas Raiders. Uh, I think that now that Allen is back uh, and he's in his top shelf self, I definitely think he's going to outright burn the Raiders. So definitely, I know a lot of teams have dropped him because of him being injured for so long and they needed someone to replace it and it might be over roster. So he's actually found himself uh, in a new home uh, on some different different ways. Some of your weaker starters for tight end, uh, I've got Jacoby Myers and Devontae Parker um, from the New England Patriots going against the Bills. Um, they're hard to trust when Mac Jones playing playing well. Um, and then it, I feel like this is going to be a very run-heavy attack. Darius Slayton of the New York Giants going against the Washington Commanders. Um, we we talked about this a little bit ago about uh, the Commanders and just how tough they've become on defense. Uh, and then on the opposite side of the ball in that game, Curtis Samuel from the Commanders against the New York Giants. Um, Washington has been running more, and they've actually been using him that way, and he's not throwing it to him as much anymore. So definitely going to be a situation there. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster going against the Bengals. Um, the Bengals have had more developing issues outside without, uh, Shadobi Awazi in their slot and with Juju, I, he just, he didn't play well last week. I don't know if maybe that concussion is still kind of dancing in his head. Um, but we'll see what, what goes on from there. Um, I got Adam Thielen as a weaker start. I don't think he's going to get the touchdown that he did. He, don't chase the touchdowns, uh, like they did with the Patriots. Um, I don't know how well he's going to do, especially with with, uh, with Justin Jefferson. And then also facing the New York Jets defense, uh, Sauce Gardner is going to be out there. Just He's going to be like a shark in blood-infested water. So definitely, even with Justin Jefferson, I still have Justin Jefferson because he's just such a star as like a must-start. But I don't think Jefferson is going to have as great of a game as he has in the past weeks. 
Um, I literally have the entire Falcons receiving core uh, going against Pittsburgh. Just go ahead and take a have just sit them. I have all of the Rams receiving core against Seattle. Uh, the curse of Allen Robinson is hard at work, boys. Um, I have again the Bears and the Ravens. All of these guys, just if you have them, put them put them away. Find other options. If you don't have any options, um, good luck and Godspeed. You're pretty much like Bruce Willis at the end of Armageddon. You're gonna have a rough day ahead of you. Uh, last but not least, your tight ends. You know we got to squeeze those movie references in when we can, man. Uh, tight ends, your must starts. Uh, of course, your Travis Kelsey's, your Mark Andrews, your Pat Fryermuths. Um, your stronger starts. Um, I have Tyler Conklin from the New York Jets against the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I think this is going to be a good revenge game matchup. And again, Minnesota Vikings statistically and defenses. I, I'm picking on them this week. I feel like, but uh, there's definitely some options there that um, that the Jets can expose. Uh, or, um, moving on with the uh, Rams. So the only hopeful guy for the Rams that I have is Tyler Higby. Um, he's got a good matchup. Seattle sucks at covering tight ends, and he's pretty much the only reliable target left. So it, it's just eventually going to work in his favor. He's just going to get a lot of touches. So if you're in a PPR league, he's going to get you a lot of points. Um, Evan Ingram from the Jacksonville Jaguars going against the Detroit Lions, same situation. This is going to be a, definitely a rebound game for him. I think he's going to see a, a lot of improvement, and he's going to see a lot of touches in that game. Um, and then last but not least, I've got Jawan Johnson from the New Orleans Saints going against the Bucks. The Bucks tend to give up tight end touchdowns. It, that's uh, that's just what they do at the end of the day. So definitely, if you're in a situation, grab him. Some of your weaker starts, uh, your Hayden Hurst from the Bengals going against Kansas City. Um, I think that compared to the wide receivers, I think he's going to be, uh, especially with the return of Jamar Chase, he's the new shiny toy. Uh, Hayden Hurst is definitely going to get some back seats. Cole Komet from the Bears going against Green Bay. Um, the one thing Green Bay does do statistically good on defense is cover tight ends. Um, I think Greg uh, Dultrich from the Denver Broncos going against Baltimore. This one I have kind of have like on a teeter-totter. Um, I just don't think that he's going to have a good enough game to be a, a strong start going against uh, Baltimore's defense just because Baltimore does have a, a pretty solid defense. Uh, and then last but not least, I have Hunter Henry from the New England Patriots going against the Buffalo Bills. Um, I wouldn't chase, you know, what, what happened last week with the Vikings because, again, Vikings just don't play well defensively. Um, Buffalo does. So if you're in a situation where you're like, oh, he scored me a bunch of points on the bench last week, I'm going to start him this week. Unless if you're playing me, please start him. But if you're playing anybody else, just do yourself a favor and set him on the bench. Um, those are my startups and set for week 13. Uh, hope you guys are, are hanging in there or you're, you're planning for next season. Um, I know this has been a very, very exciting season thus far. Um, and we're, we're on, we're knocking on heaven's door at this point. Um, for some of us, others, well, you know, not so much, but as they, as the dolphins and the jets say, there's always next year. <laughs> Jesus. I think Texans fans said that in week eight. I think they said that in week eight. I think they said that in preseason week two. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's just suit up for 2023. Uh, where are we going for vacation? Anyway, you know, well, once again, great work as always, Chris. I think it's it's especially difficult because I'm trying to navigate. Because to me, I, I've i invested in, in, in tight ends. I made a trade, uh, and I got, I got Friar News. I gave up a receiver, but I, because I have this proclivity to just load up on receivers, 
I mean, I have some in my tax on the taxi. For those who don't know, sleeper league, you have a you know, there's taxi positions where you can hold your players. And I'm like, I went through my roster, like when I'm not working, when I'm not on the clock being paid to do stuff. So hopefully they're not listening to this. But <laughs> but I, I was looking through and I'm like, like yeah. So I was like, I can give away a receiver. And I got back, I believe I got back Friar Muth and yep. Robert Tunyon. And and what's interesting is is that especially with I made the move not and here's the key I made the move not knowing about Kyle Pitts, like I I made the trade like I think I have to go back and see but I made the move before, like I knew he was going to be out which was this so, I was like thank God I've been SOL if I didn't. And, and to your point, you have an idea like I said in our Yahoo League. There's one league where I'm like, listen, that's I put that in 2023 after week five. And I'm like, I'm like, like, let's <laughs> let's let's call it let's call it a wrap, boys. Like, you know, y'all getting y'all getting your game checks. Just you, you got kids, you got family, you got wives, just don't hurt yourselves. And there's one league, I and I it's in one other league, I'm like, I'm I'm still in it. I I, I don't know. And, and that's what sucks. That's what sucks because I'm like, because I, I struggled and then I, I think I'm almost on like on a winning streak now. And, and I faced you. I think this is a story. I like to tell a story because I'm the hero of the story. So naturally, I'm going to tell the story. So <laughs> listen, I, listen, only, only villain that tells stories around here is Joker and, and Megatron. And, and none of them are here. So I'll tell the story. Chris is a very, very good Yahoo team. Like, let me tell you something. Like, he, he may bash Ohio State. He he may bash your favorite player, but he's pretty good at fantasy. That's that's the endorsement Chris Russ Roth is. That's 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 the clip you use right there. And you run it a national, just just run it national. Don't run it local, run it national. Even if he's running for city, just run it national. But and I legit was prepared to lose. Yeah. Like, 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 like to be honest, if you would have, I tell you this, folks, it was kind of like the best way I can equate this was Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson. That's, that's the way I saw this, where I'm like, I, if you would have saw the projected statue, been like, I'll this take, gonna the, be yeah, I'll, I'll take the L. And and as I'm watching the and like I say, as I'm working slash checking fantasy, I just peek in and I'm like, this is not real. This is not real. This is a lie. And and I and I pull off an upset and it's like, and I felt bad. Like I say, here's the thing. I wanted, I felt bad. He, Chris, you know, I've known this man. I've known this man for years. He's a great. See, he's a lot nicer than me because I got I got no sympathy when I beat people. Yeah, you see, you see that, that that's what makes the show. Work. None. I'm None. the yin, I'm the yin and the yang, and he's just whatever. Now, that's what it, it's kind of like uh, the odd couple. Like, yeah, it, it 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 works. That's what makes the show work. And and then I just saw, I was like, and, and I'm telling you, folks, it made me confident because, and then it's also hard decisions. Because there were some guys where, like, like Cole Komet, we're not going to talk about what he did. That, that, for the sake of my mental sanity, we're not going to talk about what he did. All right. 
We're not we're not gonna talk about it. The one time I started for the record, he was only in because I believe so. So the only like I say, the only reason why I started him was for the simple fact that I I don't know. And this is me just going on a rant here. But like Chris alluded to, like you're at crunch time with fantasy, more or less. So it's important to know where you stand on that point of view, and it's important where you stand there. So I think one thing that's important before we go, and, and so it's important to understand. So so penultimately, it, it, it's going to be interesting. So now before we put a button on this show, because like I said, I forgot to do it the whole show. <laughs> Listen, you can like, listen, like, and subscribe. This week's episode of the Sports of the World Podcast, every episode of the Sports of the World Podcast, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and where or wherever you get your podcast. Also, what's more, I did a preview of the Thursday night football game between the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. We talked about it. Chris talked about it in his preview. I think the matchup is going to be very interesting. I do believe this. We're going to see the Buffalo Bills now who there's no Von Miller and that we're going to see how this Bills defense is going to look without Von Miller. And that's going to be interesting going down the stretch. If you didn't know, he got hurt during the Thanksgiving Day game versus the Lions. And that changes the whole dynamic of this Buffalo defense. When you're looking at Buffalo and you're looking at this matchup, and I and I alluded to and I alluded to this in in the preview video, which you can check out at Ladarius underscore Brown on Twitter and on TikTok, at Ladarius underscore Brown on Instagram. So, and I alluded to the fact of this is this matchup is important for the AFC East, obviously, but we're talking about playoffs now. We're getting to that point of the season where listen, all four teams in that AFC East are pretty good football teams, and they're all above five hundred. So it's. It's not like a runaway what we thought at the beginning of the year with Buffalo. Buffalo's going through injuries. You know, Josh Allen, his health is important. And like I mentioned, the question is going to be when you start resting guys, you start pulling guys. Like B- Buffalo probably, some fans thought, okay, well, Buffalo has to have this division won by, by this point of the season. And, and, and Miami would have still been sticking around. But – what, but what's interesting here is that now we have it's a, like what what are we gonna see? Because listen, with New England, yes, there's a situation with Mac Jones, and, and I even thought, well, I wrote off Mac Jones. I said we're gonna put in Bailey Zappi, but it goes to show you, hey, the formula for this Patriots team is going to be great defense. Matthew Judon, who if it wasn't, you could put him in the in the NFL Defensive Player of the Year running, him, Micah Parsons, you can put a couple of guys in that conversation. You know, just, just another one of a great legacy of, of great defensive players under Bill Belichick. And, and and it proves the point what makes Bill Belichick great is that his defenses have been great. And with Matt Jones, 
I don't know if he's the answer. Me, I'm. I think the first. I'm not sold on Mac Jones, personally. But but the fact of the matter is this. I want to see what New England team we're going to see against this Bills defense. I want to see what kind of Bills defense we're going to see without Vaughn Miller on the field, who's usually a guy who closes games. How they're going to play a full sixty without Vaughn Miller? So that dynamic is interesting. And kind of what Chris talked about with the fantasy aspect. When you look at there's fancy impacts, obviously. But when I look at certain matchups, and there's one matchup where I think one to probably circle maybe for fantasy is that Dolphins 49ers game. Because like Chris said, it's gonna be a track meet. It could be a low-key high school. The Dolphins give up a lot of points. Like, as great as their offense is, they give up a lot of points. They're very susceptible to giving up a lot of points. So, in this 49ers team, the X factor is going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. Is where where, do, where are they going to go now? Listen, Debo, Brandon Ayuk is emerging. They got George Kittle. You got Christian McCaffrey. How is Kyle Shanahan going to game plan against this Dolphins defense? And if you're Mike McDaniel, how do you game plan against a very good 49er defense where you had Tyreek Hill and you got Jalen Waddle? You have talent on that side of the ball. So it's going to be interesting from an offensive standpoint because this feels like a matchup. It's, it's, it's Mike McDaniel versus Kyle Shanahan. And which offense? can get it going against the other defense. To me, I lean towards San Francisco because of the fact the game is in San Francisco. Because I feel like when a game is close, I always have the tendency to lean toward the home team. But listen, Miami's proven they can beat good teams on the road. They've done it. Listen, they went to Baltimore to beat Baltimore. They came back and beat Baltimore. And maybe that's Baltimore. Maybe they have a clue they're giving up leads. But but the fact of the matter is this. When I look at that game, I, I if I had to target a player, for each team, listen, for Miami, I'm going I'm curious to see for D'Amico Ryan's. Let's go back to the defense. How is D'Amico Ryan's going to go after Jalen Wall and Tyree Kill? Because do you take out one? How do you play your coverage there? Because it feels like you can't stop both. Which one? You, it's like the lesser of two evils concept in terms of who do you stop? And that's going to, in essence, be the question, my opinion. And, and look, if you're – and you can you kind of flip the script. If you're Mike McDaniel, when you look at – what are you going to do? Who, who do you stop on that team? Because I mentioned this on last week's show. Like, you look at San Francisco's schedule, it's set up for them to be on an all-time run. And listen, I, if they can get through Miami and get through a, a struggling Tampa team, a struggling Tampa team, and, and you're telling me that they they get those two games in Levi Stadium. They get them in Levi Stadium. So now what do you do? They could go on a run. And that's why I said when they played the Seahawks again toward the end of the season, that, in essence, is going to be for the NFC West. And it goes to show you the impact of trades. Christian McCaffrey makes this – this this 49ers team went from a team that's just going to 
maybe make the playoff to we're talking maybe Super Bowl contending. That's how much of a game changer when healthy. When healthy, that's what he is. That's what Christian McCaffrey is. So at the end of the day, that matchup to me, I can't speak to who Chris is going to pick. Because, listen, I'm on the fence on it because, like I said, I lean San Francisco because, to me, I go with, well, if I think the offense is good, I think the coaching is good, then I just break down the elements of the game, like offense, defense, and then coaching because special teams, I let Robbie Gould, is an interesting dude. So I lean to, like I said, I lean towards San Francisco in the matchup. So, so penultimately, I don't know. It's going to be 50 50. That, that I will say. And, and to kind of put a button on something before, before Chris and I wrap up, before I and Chris wrap up the show. I want to go back to a point I mentioned about coaching. I want to go back because I didn't, I feel like I didn't talk about Nathaniel Hackett and the situation with Russell Wilson on, on the sidelines with his teammate uh, Purcell. If, if you needed to take a video clip of, of someone getting fired, that's the clip. Because Nathaniel Hackett wasn't trying to intervene, he wasn't trying to step in. He was trying to do absolutely the barest of minimums. So now here we are in a situation where it's going to be – I'll be shocked if he lasts the rest of the season. Because, listen, you're not going to fire Josh McDaniels. Like, I know he's cheap, but that's money. But Cliff Kingsbury and Daniel Hackett, those are the two guys I target, and I think Nathaniel Haggis should have been out. How, how do you keep a job? It goes to show you that, hey, oh, well, Russ, maybe Phil, that's not the point. You paid Russell Wilson the money to be the franchise quarterback, so when you pay a guy like Russell Wilson, you bring him in, and all. And I've said it, and many other pundits and analysts have said it, that this Broncos team is one quarterback away from being a Super Bowl team, and you're in the AFC, and I get you're in the same division as Kansas City, but you can still make the playoffs. And they fail. Big time. So now, if if you're a Broncos fan, listen. Nathaniel Hackett is a very good offensive coordinator. And I don't see the correlation between him not being there in Green Bay with Green Bay's woes. But here, here's the fact of the matter. What you saw in that game against Carolina – you saw a coach who just didn't care. And when you see a coach who just doesn't care, then w- w- why bother? I-, I-, I think Nathaniel Hackett has shown time and time again, and this goes back to week one, and I mentioned in the, in the show, he he's not a great coach. And, and I'm not saying, oh, it's his first year. Yeah, that's cool, but he's – he, he's, a, you know, it's not like he's a guy who's, he's not like Jeff's, Jeff Saturday, okay? The guy has coached on this level as a coordinator. And 
being a head coach, if the, the biggest lesson here from Nathaniel Hackett, hiring guys like Nathaniel Hackett and clicking, the coaching is much more than X's and O's. It's much more than X's and O's. Simply because when you look at what you saw against what you saw the Denver Broncos do against the Carolina Panthers, what you saw was a coach who didn't care. You saw Russell Wilson who didn't who got chewed out arguing with the teammate on the sidelines. And here we are talking about well, why Nathaniel Hackett shouldn't have a job. Coaching, understand this. You can know X's and O's. Think about this. You could you could run a company and you could have you could have this, you could have let's just you could have the money, you could have the assets to run a company. Okay. But here's the thing: you need leadership, you need things that go beyond what the job requires. Nathaniel Hackett, yeah, your job is to coach. Cool, that's great. That's great, my guy. But you have zero leadership because you saw that sidelines. Nathaniel Hackett was the guy. Here, here's what Nathaniel Hackett was. If, if you've ever been in this situation, Nathaniel Hackett was the guy when you see a couple arguing. Nathaniel Hackett is that guy who pretends he's on the phone. He knows what's going on behind him. Like he like, like, like it doesn't exist. He knows it's there, but he's like, you know what? It's not my problem. But my guy, it's your problem. Your team is cheeks. Your coaching is cheeks. There's, it's you know what? I'm going to take it to another. Alert. It's absolute cheeks. That's okay. a lot of cheeks. A lot of cheeks. It's absolute cheeks. So we can talk about oh, fire Josh McDaniels, bro. That's money. Remember what I said about what, what uh, Jimbo Fisher? That's what I tell you. Listen, when you give people money, and oh, and you decide they suck a year later. Don't you listen? If it's not guaranteed money, you got to pay them that money. Okay? It's a buyout. You, I can't, you know, some people are like, oh, just fire him. Yeah. Josh McDaniels is cheeks. We're, I'm not going to deny that. Yeah, but oh, he's an expensive set of cheeks. He, he's, an ex, he's, he, he's an expensive. It, he, he's not insured by Lloyds of London. Okay, you got to pay for that. Okay, oh, you know, you know what we can call him? We could call him Kim Kardashian because that ass is expensive. Yeah. Them, them let, cheeks be pricey. Listen, Mooch, listen, you got to pay for them cheeks to leave. Listen, Kanye and Kim finally their divorce. Listen, Kanye got, listen, Kanye learned a lesson. Expensive cheeks. Okay? No different with Josh McDaniels. Stop wanting to fire people like, oh, well, dearest, no. Stop. I didn't mean to go on that rant to end the show. No, no. You, you know what, man? That was... It, 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 I felt like it was needed. It's like when I just go off my tangents. It's it just sometimes it's it's needed. Yeah, because because I didn't mention it on the on you know in the segment, but it hit. I don't me. even think we talked about in pre and in, in, in pre watch or anything. Yeah, it it, it, it because it, it stuck in my mind because it's amazing. Like if you needed a photo, uh, you need a, a video of, of a guy who's, who should be fired. Nathaniel Hackett, he's the head coach. Do something. We saw this in uh, Arizona where Kyler Murray was yelling at Cliff Kingsbury. How? how when does an employer yell at their boss like that? Yeah. And not. 
And listen, if it's success, listen, I'll tell you right now. Kobe has yelled at Phil, Phil Jackson. MJ has yelled at Phil Jackson. But you know why people don't talk about that? Because they got success. multiple rings. It's called, yeah, because they're winning. Okay? Winning, like the late great John Madden said, winning is a great deodorant. Okay? Winning can cover up all that smelliness, all that funk. It covers all that up. When you lose, yes. you stink, and ain't no air freshener nearby, that's the Denver Broncos. That's Nathaniel Hackett. People say, oh, it's Russ's fault. Yeah, but Russ got the money. Stop. Who who is Nathaniel Hackett to coach him? Because I was wow. told that Nathaniel Hackett could coach because he coached Aaron Rodgers. That's what I was told. I read the presser. That's what, that's what I was told. When you give a guy, listen, I, I don't want to hear. Like, oh, you can fire Josh McDaniel. Cool. But listen, Mark Davis, this man can tell you everybody he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. I'm done. You feel better now? Yeah, I feel great. I feel great. <laughs> but like I said, the show the shows always run long because we go on tangents, and that's okay. Yeah, it's all good, man. Um, you know, one thing about you know, since the sports and the world I want to talk about, um, you know, the singer for Fleetwood Mac passed away, uh, Christine McVie. Oh, yes, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a bummer to the music world. And, yeah, uh, you know, it sucks, and to, yeah. Yeah, and to all the Fleetwood Mac, uh, Fleetwood Mackies, I guess I'll, uh, I'll call them. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the other thing I wanted to touch on uh, before we part ways is uh you know eric aaron judge and the yankees it's it's gonna get pricey here boys uh so we're looking well so quoted and this is someone a reliable source within the new york yankees clubhouse a blockbuster deal well over the neighborhood of 300 million for aaron judge yep that's 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 you know in in the words of Birdman, cash money from the nine nine to the two thousand. Um, we talked about it early in baseball season. We talked about it at the All Star break. We talked about it going into the playoffs and in the exit of the Yankees out of the playoffs. Is that whatever Aaron Judge wants, you pay. Yeah, he is he is the franchise. I am I'm willing to go out and say I think he could replace the captain and be the captain now. And I'm not saying he's better than Derek Jeter or anything like that. Yeah, 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 it's, it's, yeah. In the era era of the Yankees right now, I think he is captain material. So I hope the Yankees, Brian Cashman needs to shut up and pay him. And oh, you know, then everyone will say, oh, the Yankees is by their talent, blah, blah. Go look at the money that the Padres have spent. Go look at the money that the Red Sox have spent over the years and the Houston Astros. Um, and the Los Angeles Dodgers and the New York Mets across uh, across the river there in Queens. Let's not let's not talk about those things. Um, the Yankees need to they need to chum up and spend some money. So hopefully uh, things will get done there, and uh, we'll have some cool cool things to report here in the coming weeks. Yeah. But honestly, that's what I got, man. I'm out of stuff before I go on another tangent. Um, but let's make like a tree and leave, shall we? Yeah, and like I say too, the Christine V, one of my favorite songs ever is Over My Head. It's one of my favorite songs. So and she did a great job. So thinking of her. And for Aaron, listen, we're going to report Aaron Judge. Listen, I'm telling you, I'll just say this while we wrap it up. 
what one doesn't pay, somebody else will. So it's just like life. Reach, as the cool kids say. So, so folks, I already did the. I already told you where to go watch and fun. Go check out the preview of the Thursday night football game. And until you hear us again next time, I'm the Darius, and I'm Chris. Be real, be you, be blessed, and be safe. For all of us here from the sports and the world out there. And Ohio State sucks. See ya.